Our text tonight is verse 24 of Numbers 14. And uh, we're going to be looking at this man Caleb and what it is to follow the Lord fully. It's interesting that the Word of God provides many sort of biographical sketches, little thumbnails of lives to help us. And it gives us examples of people that we certainly shouldn't follow. Think of those like Judas Iscariot and Ahab and Cain. But it also gives us great men and women of God who we are called to see as mentors as we journey as believers through this world. And among such good examples is this godly man called Caleb. And he is uh, an eminent example, really, and one that is often overlooked. And uh, God attributes to him great grace, saying that he followed God fully all the days of his life. Now, friend, if you're a believer, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ this night, surely that's your desire. Surely it's my desire. You know, I'm assuming that you don't desire to serve God half-heartedly, but that you want to love him and love him with all of your being. And before us is this, this man of faith. And my prayer is that we've been given grace to follow his example through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just to give you some background, Caleb is one of 12 spies who were sent out into the land of Canaan to bring back a report to Moses. And uh, he is one of only two spies that bring back a report of encouragement. And he encourages Israel to do battle against the inhabitants of the land and to conquer them as God had promised that they would. And after 40 days, when the spies had completed their task, they brought back their report. And what is interesting is this. All 12 were agreed on the facts of what they had seen. So they all agreed that Canaan was a good land, that it was flowing with milk and honey. They all agreed that the inhabitants of the land were, for the most part, a, a warlike people. They all agreed that there were giants in the land. They all agreed that the cities were walled about and there were great strongholds. And they all agreed that it would be complicated and difficult to fight against these foes. They were together on the facts. But the difficulty came in answering the question, what shall we do? Then there was disagreement. And the majority, 10 of the spies, they present a very negative report. They, they say, oh, well, there's no use to try and overcome these enemies. They're too strong for us. There's too many of them. They're too large. It's impossible. Now, imagine the two and a half million people of Israel hearing that report. You know, they come through the wilderness. They finally arrived at the promised land. And now they were facing giants and walled cities and people of war, impossibilities. And then this report comes and fear and unbelief gripped the people. You know, there's an important lesson right from the outset there. Fear and unbelief always bring a negative report. You know, fear and unbelief can have a, a right account of the facts, but they can assess those facts incorrectly. And these 10 false spies, they, they left out the most important fact, which is the fact of God and his promise. And they looked at the circumstances rather than looking to the Lord. You know, they'd forgotten what God had promised Joshua in Joshua 1.11, go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you 
to possess. Dear friends, you and I are prone to do the same thing, aren't we? You know, difficulties and troubles, they come into our lives. Sometimes it's personal troubles or domestic trials or maybe trials in our jobs, maybe troubles in the church. And we're prone to look at circumstances rather than looking to God. And we are so prone to respond in unbelief. And unbelief measures the walls and adds up all the, the giants and the enemies. And the conclusion then is, we can't do this. We can't do it. And you know, the people are always inclined to follow the majority. And what a tragedy. Two and a half million people led astray by ten men. You know, it reminds me as well that what a responsibility every believer has to have a right perspective and not to sow seeds of trouble. And for those who are given the responsibility of leadership to lead the people rightly. Do you know, one preacher put it like this, ministers are in some senses spies in the land. Every week we are to search the scriptures, to spy out the truth of God's grace in the word of God and to report on them the following Lord's Day and tell of the wonders and the glory and the might of our God. Every Lord's Day we are to tell people about the dangers they face, the way to Zion, about their enemies, about their problems, the narrow road that leads to salvation, but we are not to overwhelm people with these problems, but to direct them to Jesus Christ and to tell them that our God is able. Without Christ, we can do nothing. But in Christ, we can do all things through him that strengthens us. That's the report we are to bring. Our God is able. We shouldn't focus on our circumstances, but look to the living God. And the ten spies, they, they forgot that. They forgot about the, the God of the Red Sea and the God who said to them, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Or the God who said, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. There was no faith in the, the power of God and the, the sovereignty of God and the promises of God. And unbelief makes our problems big and it makes God small. And the tragedy of unbelief is that it drags masses of, of God's people into the slough of despond with it. You see, when they're in their right place, God's Joshua's, as it were, and God's Caleb's, they have a, a different spirit. They bring God into the equation. You know, if you look back at Numbers 13 and verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. You see, Joshua and Caleb, they believe that God is able, that he's bigger than even the largest giant in Canaan. And so all 12 spies, they've used their eyes, they've, they've used their minds, but only Joshua and Caleb have a heart for God and for his people. They had a, a heart to walk the way of faith. And you know, that's the way that you and I are called to walk if we are believers, the way of faith. It's not an easy way, but it is a blessed way. And it is a sure way. And the way of faith urges people to trust God, to believe in Jesus Christ, his son, to repent of their sin, to follow him and walk in his ways, to, to follow God fully. And that's the beginning, to believe in Christ. And faith trusts. 
That's the nature of faith. Faith believes and trusts and rests. You know, Caleb says in Numbers 14, verse 9, notice what he says. He says, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. This is the key. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. The Lord is with us. The minority of two are the ones who believe in God. They have this right outlook. Caleb and Joshua believed that God would never go back on his word. And dear friends, when we believe that, when we confess that and live that and embrace that, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we are honoring our God because our God is able. And you know, Joshua and Caleb, they, they dared to stand up against incredible pressure. You know, one of the things that I found most striking and shocking about this passage is that as Caleb speaks and remains resolute and his God-honoring stand is there for all to see, how do the people react? Verse 10, they want to stone him. They want to, they want to kill him. You know, he's bringing this, this reality and this, this exhortation to trust God and the people want to stone him. But even then, he does not waver. Even when he faces opposition from those who should have known better because he's convinced and committed to following the Lord fully. So we need to ask the question then, well, what does it mean to follow God like that? How do we do it? Well, let me say this. What is also remarkable to see in our text is this is not Caleb's testimony of himself. You know, this is not him saying this, you know, I, I follow God fully. This is what God says about him. That's a wonderful thing. You know, I'm sure if we had opportunity to speak to Caleb, he would be quick to point out his, his own failings and inconsistencies and his faltering. But the Lord saw differently. And that's what counts. It's not what we might say of ourselves, it's what God says. And I wonder if we long for that. If we want that commendation more than anything else, that God will look down from heaven as it were, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grant us that divine affirmation, this is my child, and he has followed me fully. It's a wonderful thought. But what does it mean to follow God like that? Well, just a number of things. It means to follow consistently. Caleb followed God consistently all his life. You know, if you were to turn back to Joshua 14 and verses 13 to 14, I'll read the verses to you. It says, And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Now, this is a testimony about Caleb in his old age. And so when he was a young man in his 40s, I say young because I'm a man in my 40s, and so I like to cling on, a young man in his 40s, and when he's an old man in his 80s, God still says the same thing of him. This is a man who, who didn't serve the Lord just when he felt like it, or in fits and starts, as it were. He was a man who served God consistently constantly, evenly, all those years. Caleb refused to yield to the murmuring rebels that surrounded him, and he was faithful unto death. The question is, can that be said of us? Do we 
follow the Lord in a consistent manner. You know, we've seen it, haven't we? And, you know, no doubt you've seen it in your own experience. You get some people and they sort of explode into action for a time. You know, they're, they're everywhere all the time. And then all of a sudden you never see them again. You know, they rise up and then they disappear. And you have others and they're, they're always talking about what they're going to do. And, you know, they give a, a, a good a pitch, as it were. They're always going to do these things and, and they never do them. You know, they seem to have meant well, but when the difficulties come, the, the flame, as it were, dies out and the, the smoke fades away until there's nothing left. I wonder, in times of adversity, do we lose our Christianity? In times of pressure and persecution, do we fall away? You know, it's in those difficult times that the world watches us with a penetrating gaze, is this Christianity real? Are these followers real? And to follow God fully means to follow consistently. It also means to follow God sincerely from the heart. It means to not be a, a hypocrite, one who's sort of outward, but internally is all over the place. In Numbers 14.10, all the congregation want to stone Caleb and Joshua. They all come against them. But Caleb, he couldn't do anything else because his heart was sincere before God. You know, you have to ask the question, why were the people so angry? Why did they want to react in that way? Well, because really their testimony exposed their lack of true faith in the Lord. And he removed all of the excuses of those 10 spies and, and all the people. He removed all the excuses for not going into Canaan. He, he took away all their arguments. You know, they wanted to cling to their, their unbelief, as it were, and Caleb reproaches them by his trust in the Lord. Do you know, when we walk in the ways of God, we will suffer opposition. And sometimes it comes from the most unlikely places. You know, and those who are away from the Lord, simple people, they don't want to be confronted with truth that exposes them. They don't want to face the reality of their condition. That's certainly true in the world. You know, they don't want to be told that they're sinners in need of a Savior. And when we biblically and lovingly confront others with the truth of Christ, with the gospel, we have to be prepared for the fact that opposition will come and it will be costly. But we must. We mentioned Robert Murray McShane this morning. And he said this, your best friend is the one who is willing to tell you the most truth about yourself. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You see, a man who follows God fully, a person who follows the Lord, wants to say a word for the Lord as the opportunity arises. You know, how can we follow a, a suffering Savior, never have to suffer for his name's sake? I wonder, dear friends, do we ever suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ or do we fear God more than man? John Brown said, the fear of God means to esteem the smiles and frowns of God to be of greater weight and greater value than the smiles and frowns of men. Now, it doesn't mean that we go around provoking people unnecessarily. It doesn't mean that we are anything other than truly loving to all people. But true love sometimes have to confront with the truth. And if you really love someone, you know, you want them to come with you. 
You want them to follow the Lord fully, to know Jesus Christ. And so following fully, as Caleb stood, means to follow God sincerely from the heart. And it also means, sort of similar point really, to follow God with a united heart. Thomas Boston, the Puritan, spoke of following God from the heart universally. It means with all the heart. You know, it's to say with the psalmist in Psalm 119, I will run the course of your commandments. You know, so many believers sort of fall into that idea, well, you know, I just want to do these things concerning the will of God, and I just want to obey this part of Scripture, but I don't really want to do that, and so you have this inconsistency. Submission and obedience in rare supply. You know, do some things, but entertain other things that they know are not right and say, well, you know, you don't want to be too extreme. You, you don't want to be too full on. And so we'll just do those things that fit in. And, you know, we'll just avoid anything that's too uncomfortable. And she have a, a half-hearted sort of obedience. Caleb wasn't like that. He said, I want to be single-minded, single-hearted when it comes to following and obeying the Lord. I don't want to go to the right or to the left. I want to follow him in everything. I want to follow him with my thoughts and my words and my deeds. You know, and as believers, we would say, I want my life to be an open letter of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Oh God, give me grace to follow you fully with that single heart. You know, surely we long for an undivided heart. We don't want to follow God just when it's pleasant for us to do so. We want to be those who are consistent and wholehearted. Let me ask you, how, how are you in that? How is your heart? How is my heart? Where are we? Are those things that are dividing our hearts? Are there pockets or areas of our lives where we know that we're just indulging the old man, as it were, where we just don't really want the Lord Jesus to rule? We must cry for mercy to conquer our so-called besetting sins and pray that God would give us the strength to put those sins to death. The true child of God who is walking close with the Lord will say, oh God, I wish every sin in me were dead. You know, that's a great hope and the longing, isn't it, that we know that the day will come when we will be set with sin no more. It's a wonderful prospect. But until that day, we have to wage that warfare against the flesh are we following God in that way singleness of heart and following God fully means to follow God exclusively it means like Paul said to to follow Paul only insofar as he followed Jesus Christ so following God must be the preeminent pursuit of our lives to have no other goal in our mind you know our entire being to be caught up with burning passion to walk in the Lord's highway of holiness, as it were. And in our text, Caleb is identified as God's servant, and, and good servants, they obey their master. And a servant yields that, that willing yielding to do the master's will. We need that emphasis in our lives, to pray for grace in every trial and trouble that comes our way, that we might follow God fully in the good times and the bad, that he might be first. Now, you might hear those things, and certainly as I was thinking over them, you, you look at them, you say, well, it's impossible. How can you follow like that? You know, I, I look at my own heart and think, 
you know, it's such a, a, a well of iniquity. But what was true for you is true for Caleb. What makes the difference? I want you to see something important in the text. Look again at verse 24. And I want to ask this question. Why is grace vital to following God fully? Notice what it says. Because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. A different spirit. That contains the secret of how God uh, was working so that Caleb could follow the Lord fully. You see, another spirit, a different spirit, means that, that Caleb had a different spirit than those other false ten spies. Theirs was a, a spirit of unbelief. Caleb had a spirit of faith. Theirs was a, a worldly spirit, as it were. Caleb is filled with a, a heavenly spirit, a right perspective. Theirs was a spirit of, of angry disobedience, his of affectionate obedience. Theirs was of the enemy, his was of God. You know, they wanted the rest without the journey, the reward without the labor, the victory without the warfare. They were being led by their own spirits, their own desires. But Caleb was being led by the Spirit of God. He had a noble, courageous, generous spirit, a self-denying, loyal spirit to the Lord because he was moved by the Holy Spirit. You know, that's the ultimate cause of the difference between Caleb and the ten false spies. Why did Caleb believe? Because God was working in his life. It wasn't his own strength. It was the Holy Spirit working in him. 1 Corinthians 2.12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You know, and you say, well, why did Caleb have that spirit? And what about the other ten? What made the difference? Well, it's God's gracious work. And in his purposes, according to his will, he had mercy on Caleb, worked in Caleb, pleased God to do so. We cannot go beyond that, nor do we need to. God made Caleb his servant, gave him his spirit to serve him. And so there was no explanation in Caleb. It was God's hand at work. That is why he had this other spirit. And that's what we need. We need God's work in our lives. We need that work of the Holy Spirit to make us new, to save us, and then also to inspire us and keep us and enable us and empower us. And we need to pray for more of that in our lives. We need to pray that we will be indwelt and governed by the Spirit of Christ so that we receive by true faith and with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save our souls so that we can follow God fully. Caleb was enabled to follow God fully. And just for us, we are enabled to follow God fully through the meritorious work of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes the difference. That's why grace is vital. You know, when we look at these examples and we see the way in which they stand, you know, it's no good for us to be here and say, well, we've just got to try harder and hope for the best. We see the principles. We see what's necessary. We see the example. And where should it lead us firstly? To our knees. And say, oh God, please help me. Please help me to stand in this day like Caleb. And the qualities and the characteristics that he displayed by your grace, may they be seen in my life too. And may I commend the Lord Jesus in that way. And then lastly, as we close, 
We've seen what it is to follow God fully. We've seen that grace and the work of God is vital in that. We cannot do it without God's help in our lives. What's the outcome? What's the outcome of all this? Well, in following the Lord fully, dear friends, there is great reward. You know, if you ask, well, if Caleb followed the Lord fully by God's grace alone, why did God give Caleb a reward? Because he does give him a reward. I will bring him to the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. You know, following God fully is only possible by grace. But incredibly, God in his remarkable purposes, delights to bless those who follow him in that grace. God's reward to Caleb is not a reward of merit. Caleb didn't merit this. It's a reward of grace. You know, what God does in his people by way of sanctification, he really gives to his people and he rewards his own work in them. That's wonderful to see. God is so gracious you know, maybe you remember the account of the, the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15. And the Lord Jesus works faith in her. And he matured that faith through her trials. And then he crowns his own work by saying this, great is your faith. But it was a faith that was given. God gives away his graces to his people, including the grace of faith. And then when they by his spirit doubt that faith, God rewards his own work within them with the crownings of his grace. And God's grace leads us to walk by grace, out of grace to his glory. And you know, all of those wonderful promises are just grace on top of grace. And you say, oh, I think I've heard that expression before. Well, you have. In the Lord Jesus Christ, John 1.16, speaking of the believer and of his fullness, we have all received, and grace for grace. Literally means grace piled up on top of grace. And the lives of God's people, they are like the ocean tide coming in, one wave of grace upon another, lapping up in prosperity and through affliction, the grace of God. You know, friends, in the good times and the bad times, you know, without that grace, where would we be? Where would we be? Well, God gives and he gives and he gives again. And on top of it all comes his waves of gracious, precious promises to sustain and to bless. And what does God promise to Caleb? Well, he promises to preserve Caleb's life. He said, I will bring you into the land where you went, where he went. You know, 600,000 men of that generation who were unbelieving, their spouses and many of their children are all going to die in the wilderness. Caleb, in his 40s already, and they're going to wander for 40 years, but God says, I will bring him into the land. Caleb and Joshua are going to outlive them all. He's going to be an old man in his 80s. And yet God will bring him to be where he wants him to be. It's the same with us, dear friends. God will lead us and bring us and preserve us by his grace, he has promised to do so. And ultimately, he will bring us home to be with him. God promises to preserve Caleb. God promises to give Caleb the land that he spied out for an inheritance. And you can see that's fulfilled in the book of Joshua. 
Joshua 14, Caleb says, Now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day. As yet, I am as strong this day as on that day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. God gave this endurance to Caleb, and he gives him this inheritance. And you know, what's amazing is this. That man, in those latter years of his life, Joshua 15, 14, he goes into the conquest, and it says, Caleb, Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Caleb, 85 years old, and he drives out the giants before whom two and a half million people trembled and did not dare believe to go in. You see, that's what God can do. You know, you may have heard the expression, God plus one equals the majority. Well, maybe that's what Caleb experienced. God promised to bring him into the land. God gave him the strength to do it. And God promises so much, but he is able to do as he has promised. He is the God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. Our God is able you know, Caleb, you're 85. What do you think you're doing going into the land? He believes God and takes God at his word. And what a great God he is. Do you know, there was a little boy in Connecticut in the USA. And this little boy was on his deathbed. It was the 18th century. And George Whitfield, the great preacher, visited him. And in his time with this this young boy, he spoke to him about God. And he spoke to him about the Lord Jesus, the way of being saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the boy was converted, believing in Jesus for himself. Some weeks later, his unbelieving father said to him, son, you're not afraid to die. And the boy said, no, daddy, I'm not afraid to die. And his father said, but, but why, son? You're facing this. Why are you not afraid to die? And the little boy said, because I'm going to Mr. Whitfield's big God. You see, Whitfield had made God look big. And for that boy, even on his deathbed, he was granted to see the greatness of God who would save him and keep him. The question is, just as Caleb made God look big, when I say made him look big, he, he showed God for the reality of who he is. The question is, do we? Do we have a big God? Do we believe in him? The God of promises. The world never gives what it promises. God never gives less than he promises. And God promises all these things to Caleb and delivers. And he gives Caleb's descendants the land to possess. Caleb has this legacy to leave behind and brings great blessing to the generations of his family that follow. Friends, Caleb knew the greatness of God. You see, the only way to live blessedly is to follow God fully, to follow the Lord, given by grace and sustained by grace and rewarded by grace, to, to follow God unconditionally and trust in his promises. The question is, do you? Do I? Do we follow God fully? May I ask you, do you follow God at all? 
That's the first question. You know, as long as we're outside of Jesus Christ, we do not and cannot follow the Lord at all. We don't know him. And so the question is, you know, you need to trust Christ. You need to know him. Samuel Rutherford said, if I had a thousand souls, I would not risk one of them outside of Jesus. You have one soul. And the question is, are you risking that soul outside of Jesus Christ? I would urge you, don't do it. Don't destroy yourself. Don't play games with God. Don't keep going on your own way. But you come in repentance and faith and trust in Jesus Christ for yourself and know what it is to know God and be reconciled to God. Trust the Savior. Believe in his work on the cross and he will save you. You know, you and I either belong with the unbelieving spies or with the believing spies, as it were. You know, by nature, we want to be amongst the popular majority, but by grace, God brings us into the despised minority, and it's a blessed place to be because the Lord is with us. The God of Caleb still lives, and we need to seek grace to follow his example, no matter the cost, to follow God. And although Caleb faced great dangers and great enemies, God kept him through unto old age, even to the end. And know this, all of his enemies, the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation. And that very day, God killed all of those false spies. And eventually all the people who rejected God will be dealt with. You see, those who are set in opposition to the Lord will never prevail. And so heed the warning tonight, dear friend. But those like Caleb, those who know the Lord, who love the Lord and follow God fully by gracious faith, will live to see the promises of God fulfilled as their exceeding great reward, both now and forever. Our God is Caleb's God, and he is a great God. And we need to believe him, friends. And we need to follow him fully. May he grant us the grace to do so. Amen.